Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the new and improved Cup of Cubby Blue, proudly affiliated with the Fans First Sports Network, where you are hopefully subscribed for a ton of great Cubs content on the Bleacher Bunch Network. If you like the shows, leave us a five-star review and a rating because it helps other people find the shows. We've still got all of your series-by-series updates, plus the Bleacher banter that you love. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about Christopher Morrell's improved strikeout performance in June and whether or not it is sustainable and more for Bleed Cubby Blue. And as always, I am joined by the one and only Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? Oh, wait, could you hold on one second? I, d- I got to close my drapes because, you know, the sun's a little bit in my eyes right now. And so I know the sun is in your eyes, but I don't want it to be in my eyes, Sarah. So I'm going to close my drapes just slightly so that only the shade will affect me and not you. Is that okay with you real quick before we start this (laughs) podcast? Because I'm also the Brewers manager and I cheat. I cannot even believe that roof shenanigan stuff happened and that they were like, we're just going to like partially close the roof and then we're going to leave it for our people. And then we're going to partially like, we're going to mess around with it while you're at the plate and it's not going to rain and Brewers fans. Okay. Y'all are the pettiest people alive because it's clear that those roof shenanigans were timed and deliberate. And meanwhile, the Brewers are like in 2017, there was a rain delay and it didn't rain at Wrigley. And I'm like, get out. I, <laughs> you got the day off too. There's no difference between the experience that you had and that the Cubs had as opposed to your roof changing, which is a fundamentally different experience for one team versus the other team. Yeah, no. And it's not just the roof that they pull. First of all, closing the roof when it's not raining is basically a death sentence to people who have uh, issues with uh, the heat, you know, because it is a sweat box 
Have you ever seen Cool Hand Luke and they put those guys in the box? <laughs> that, you know, oh, you're going to the box. 40 knots in the box. That's what it is. It is a sweat box. I mean, I was there at night. On Wednesday night, I went out to the game. Uh, was with our good friend Crawley. I mean, you honestly had to be naked to be covered comfortable in that place and it was nighttime but they still they they refused to open it up it wasn't now there was a threat of rain so maybe that's why they close it but that no breeze and they have these fans that that they have no air, no air conditioning by the way in that ballpark which is insane to me but for billions of dollars you cannot air condition your ballpark when the roof is closed which makes a closed roof a death sentence. It is honestly so hot in there. You're like baking inside of a microwave. And so that's the roof shenanigans include that. Plus, they've got these fans that you can never feel, except for when, of course, the Brewers are up to bat. Then all of a sudden they kick on. Oh, how convenient for the Brewers that every that the fans are automated to go on when the bottom of the inning comes around. So um, anyway, yeah, it, what a crazy series. In general, that was nuts. It was honestly one of the most bonkers back and forth series that I have ever seen in my life. And I've watched a ton of Cubs Cardinals series that have done this exact type of like, oh, you're down by six and now the comebacks and now we're in extra innings and who's going to win this game? Nobody knows. Like it was so fun, even though the Cubs only split a series where I really thought they needed to take three out of four. uh, I... I implemented my, so I have a rule that I only buy new Cubs gear when they have done like good, interesting things that are, that I feel like I can go celebrate the team. It it keeps me from buying way too much Cubs gear. And I also just don't like rewarding them for bad behavior. So I just don't want to buy stuff when they played terribly. But this series was filled with so many interesting moments. The Mike Talkman comeback, the Ian Happ. I mean, I, we're going to get into each of these games, but like what the way Ian Happ ended that game on that throw in a rope from left field was honestly one of the most fun things I've ever seen in my life. I loved it better than any walk-off that has ever happened anyway. And so yesterday I decided that despite the fact that the Cubs only split the series, they had done enough that I deserved a new Cubs hat. We're going to find out if it's lucky in this upcoming series against the Yankees. Let's just jump right into it. Game one was a pretty heartbreaking loss after that. They were up six, nothing. You sort of felt like the Cubs just had this one on lock. And then all of a sudden the bullpen imploded as the bullpen is wont to do. And I really thought that was going to set the tone for a terrible series. Uh, and I'm glad it did not. But Danny, what were you thinking after game one? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was pretty disappointed in actually both games one and two because they were very similar in the fact that the Cubs were leading. And then they, even though they won one of them and lost the other one, they let these games slip away. And especially game one, they did up six, nothing. And granted it was early in the, in the game. So it was like they had six runs by the end of the, or by the top of the third. Well, Brewers allowed to come back and, and get uh, three and cut the lead in half right there in the, in the third inning. It's just like, okay, here we go again. You know, it's just like, to let this game slip away and then to lose it, um, you know, at the end of it by uh, it, it's just it, Smiley's not good. You know, Smiley to give up those. I mean, he only gave up four hits, but he had three walks in this game. Three runs uh, gave up three runs. He was walking a lot of guys. He just didn't have it. You know, then uh, for Merriweather, who's been good to, you know, not have a great inning. Anthony K, you know, first of all, David losses i mean ross's 3d chess and to get pantsed in this game 
by he totally got pantsed. I'm sorry, by um Greg Council, who was actually a good manager. Who yeah, actually, you're talking about the Jesse Winker, Jemai Jones, Anthony K. Yeah, go for it. Well, it, correct me if I'm wrong. Is it, this isn't the game that uh, David Ross lost his DH? Is it? It is actually. This is the game that David lost Ross uh, lost the DH. So let let me just explain what happened because this the loss started here when Nick Madrigal who's been doing great by the way. So I'm, I've come around on Nikki, Nikki two strikes or Nikki five steps and he gets hurt and Morel who's DHing in the game, instead of doing a numerous things you could have done that Ross put Morel at third base and he didn't have to, you could have taken Jared young who was playing first. He had played some third down in the minors. He move him over to third. Then you could take Mancini, put him at first, or you could do what happened later in the game which was where you bring Saya into the game. You move Chalkman over to center and you move belly to first. There was a numerous things you could have done in that moment to not lose your designated hitter. Instead, we had to watch Michael Fulmer taking it back. I mean, what year is this? Like, oh my God. So you got totally pants, David lost or Ross to do that so early in the game to lose your DH or you should never lose your DH. There's no reason to do it. Unless your bench is totally empty. And it's extra innings and like it's craziest game of all time. That's how you lose a DH. So that happened. Um, and then the funny part is for, he did it. Uh, Council did exactly what David Loss should have done at the end of this game, which he moved his first baseman to third baseman and brought in a first baseman. It's just like, actually, David, look at this. Look what actually can be done in the game of baseball when you know what you're freaking doing. So that's A. So I don't blame this loss on David but I do kind of blame it partially on him. Um, the other, the other part of um, this game was what you just mentioned. And if you want to mention what happened here is this stupid, uh, like three D, three D tic tac toe that <laughs> David Loss is playing. I mean, I think it was. I think the series was that Merriweather was it. Merriweather was in or or lighter. No, Merriweather was in. His command was pretty bad. Uh, the Brewers were going to pinch hit Jesse Winker. And so Ross has a choice. He can either go to Anthony Kay at that moment and try to do some lefty righty shenanigans, or he can go to Mark Leiter Jr. immediately and just be like, whatever Leiter has better is a better pitcher than Anthony Kay. And Jesse Winker hasn't been good this year. So give it a go, Jesse Winker. Instead, he goes to Anthony Kay, goes to the worst pitcher trying to play lefty righty matchups and uh, Craig Council double switches and pulls Winker out and brings in Jemai Jones, who hasn't played a game of Major League Baseball in I don't even know how long. Two like, years. Whatever. It, it's like the most up. ridiculous Brewers nonsense I've ever seen in my life. And he's just hunting fastball. Like he just sits fastball and absolutely murders a fastball, and the Brewers tie the game. And it's just like, I. Honest to God, like really, <laughs> go with your better pitcher. Stop. You don't. You don't have a lefty in the pen. This is an obvious need for the team if they would like to be competitive, particularly in a division where the Brewers, the Cardinals, lots of teams struggle against lefties and the Cubs don't have any lefties in the pen to throw at them. This is a glaring hole for the Chicago Cubs and they threw a mediocre lefty and got pantsed. So, yeah, well, and the Mark Leiter Jr. situation, he's definitely he's technically a righty with the lefty with he's got the advanced or the uh, reverse splits on him. So 
kind of to me, yeah, like you say, he's been the better reliever. That's A, but B, like, aren't you kind of covered either way? Because even if you do want to play the splits, you got a guy who's got the reverse splits, but also like, you know, is he that bad against righties? I mean, maybe his worst innings have come there. I mean, but yeah, he's been the most effective pitcher. And Anthony Kay is kind of like, I mean, he's an unknown commodity in many respects for the Cubs because he hasn't been out there and he's only there because Brandon Hughes is hurt and they just decided to not ever have a lefty on this team. Like it's just insane. Um, so yeah, the, both those things happen and it results in a loss and it, and it felt horrible. Like, but I'm, it really like that game particularly felt just terrible. And uh, I mean, I mean no, we can it, move, worst we, loss here, right? Like I, I consider yeah, that. I, I did. Yeah. I said that on Cubs pod and I was like, that's like the first thing I said. I'm like, well, that was the worst loss of the year. You went in six to nothing. It reminded me of that other game when um, uh, Arietta was on the mound, when they brought him back. <laughs> And the Cubs scored seven in the first and the Cubs ended up losing 15 to seven, like at the end of the game, just like Arietta could not get it out at the bottom of the first. He like went 0.2 innings or 1.1 or something terrible. And second time I've had this conversation this week, I was, I joined the away games pod earlier this week. I had this exact conversation with Adam Mamuala. He's like, do you remember that time the Cubs scored seven in the first and then Jake Arietta coughed them all up immediately. I was like, yes, yes, I do. Let's talk about some better games. Game two was a truly unbelievable win. Like I honestly, what Mike Taukman did in this game, what Ian Happ did in this game, what Daniel Palencia did in this game was incredible. Like, and it, you're right. It felt exactly like game one. It felt like the Cubs had a four nothing lead or a four one lead or something like that. And then they coughed it up and it looked like the Brewers were going to win again. And all of a sudden here comes Mike Taukman with an at bat for the ages. Uh, Danny, what were you thinking with this Taukman at bat? Um, well, first of all, refresh my memory about which at bat you're talking about, because it's all kind of blending together, uh, with me. Oh, the, the, oh yeah. He got the, the game winning, uh, right. Before Ian Happ could save the game multiple times. Wait, wait, <laughs> first of all, I'm looking at, uh, maybe I'm looking at the wrong box score, but the Talkman at bat, that was game three, actually. Oh, wait, am I, mix, am I mixing inning. these up? Sorry. Yeah, that's because I'm looking at this and I'm like, wait, Mike Talkman took it. And at bat, all right. Struck, okay. Well then you should correct me out. because I'm clearly mixing my, there were four comeback wins, two yeah. for each team in this series. So I may, I might just be mixing myself up. Yeah, no, in, in this one, it was Nico Horner that got the big hit in, in this one, um, in the, in the 10th, in the 11th inning, actually, this one went 11 and but and then you had the this was the one that ended with the with the uh Ian Happ assists. So um no, but this one is one that the Cubs were winning as well. They were up uh five to two at the their biggest lead and coughed it up to the point that before you knew it, they were losing uh they had they had tied it at six. No, it was four to one. Then it was four. Yeah, they tied. They tied it at. They tied it at six. Yeah. Okay. No. Which sent it to extras. And you're right. This is not the Tackman game. The Tackman game is the next game. I apologize for mixing up the two games. No, I mean it. Well, there's a lot of the the games were the same because both teams coughed up leads at the end of the game to uh, to lose or uh, to lose. Um, And both bullpens failed. Uh, both had clutch hits. I mean, it was every game was kind of the same depending on, uh, and hey, it ended in a, a stalemate, two to two. But in, in this one, it was 
pretty disappointing, even though we won, because there was we were winning six to two at one point in this game. And then to cough that up in the ninth inning felt just like, damn it, here we go again. It's deja vu all over again, just like the night before. This time it was Alzali who didn't have it. And even though he got three strikeouts in his one point out of the four outs he got, like he just didn't have it, which is disheartening because like we still don't have a closer. You know, as soon as Alzali a couple weeks ago, he looked nails in a few games and we're like, all right, he's emerging. Here he is, our new closer, Albert Alzali, dialing it up there. And it didn't work and we knew it wasn't going to work. So they had to bring up Palencia, who I'm held psyched about he dude throws a hundred you know somebody's got to step up and be awesome like somebody's got to do it because Alzali did not do it he blew the save and once again like we could have I'm sitting here thinking great we could have won the last two games and instead we're gonna go oh and two that's not what happened Nico Horner got the big hit at the end of the game which is funny because the night before on the Sunranto show we had a post uh post show chat in the discord in our son ranto ranchers discord for our patreon members and at the end of the, our chat we all said all right who do you want up in the biggest spot in a game games on the line it's second and third you're losing by one you need a single and you win the game who do you want up and we all said at the well, we didn't all say this at first but in the end we agreed it was nico horner and the very next day nico horner made the magic happen and Love me some Nico. Nico Nako. I love some Nico too, but I want to give some love to Ian Happ here who had two absolutely nails throws from left field to save this game. The first one truly saved the game. Like he he guns down the runner at the plate. That is the that is the go-ahead run. Uh if if Ian Happ does not make that throw and Miguel Amaya doesn't make that tag, the game is over and Brewers walk it off. Then Miguel Amaya has the presence of mind, because that's only the second out, to throw a rope to Nico Horner and Nico Horner does this like Superman tag of Owen Miller at second base, which was just mm, chef's kiss. Incredible, like beautiful play. One of my favorite plays that has ever happened. That double play was sick. Uh, But then in the, the Cubs finally score next inning, Ian Happ does it again. Like he, he catches a ball in left. They send the runner and he guns down the runner at home to keep the game from being tied. And, I think that Boog said that in the past two seasons, so like the full season last year and the half season this year, in like over 2,100 games that have been played during that time, it, the game has ended on a throw out at the plate six times. It's more rare than a walk-off. It is one of the most exciting things I've ever seen in my life. And I think it was made better because Wrigley North had, that was a 60, 70% Cubs fan crowd, despite the fact that the Brewers are the better team. And and I love Cubs fans for traveling up to Milwaukee and buying their tickets and taking over their home park every chance that we can. That place was lit. That that place was electric. And that was one of the most fun ways to end a baseball game I've ever seen in my life. Well, and a couple of things going on there. First of all, I have zero faith in Ian Happ's arm nine out of 10 times because it is not the strongest left field arm in baseball, especially I mean, Kyle Schwarber was not a good left fielder. He just wasn't. We saw that when he came back with the Phillies, but he has a hell of an arm. So when he was out there, we got used to him gunning out a lot of dudes at second, gunning out a lot of dudes at the plate. Ian Happ's not that guy, but in this game, he was. And, hey, 
of course the Brewers are going to test his arm. Why not? You know, that was just a single that was scoring their pinch runner in that first, in, in the one that was the double play. That was just a single. That would have been the game-winning run right there. But you're going to test his arm. You just will. Everything had to be perfect, and it was perfect because it's not coming in all that fast. But huge credit to Miguel Amaya. Stayed in his catcher lane because that's the BS call that gets called all the time now. And that's why half the reason why plays don't end at the uh, games don't end with plays at the plate anymore because they have this dumb rule that's supposed to protect catchers, but it, instead it makes that we never get the out at home. Um, this time he did exactly everything right, which is amazing for a guy who really his development was supposed to be stunted based upon the fact that he spent most of his minor league career on the shelf and injured. So he did the exact right thing. Tons of credit to Miguel Amaya. Unfortunately, they refused to let him play. And he's obviously awesome. So I don't get it. He's got the better bat. He's showing himself to be a defensive whiz. But no, we're going to sit you on the bench. And not even when we could bring you to the game, will we bring you to the game? We're going to pinch hit Trey Mancini because, you know, that's the better move. Like, what the hell? I don't know what we're doing. But, yeah, that's a he's side. That's not sure they have. Like, I don't understand. He's a better hitter than Jan Gomes or Tucker Barnhart, and he plays, like, once a week. And I'm just – I – Danny, do you think this team is sandbagging wins? Like, do you think they're trying to, like, force a sell-off? Because, like, I just don't get this. Like, I, I can – it does not feel like they put their best team out day after day. It does not feel like they harness momentum. It does not feel like they sit on a winning lineup or rock. Like it does not feel like they make decisions designed to win every single day. And I'm sure somebody at, is like, Oh, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But also like, I don't know, man, you don't have a deal next year really in place for Cody Bellinger. That's a player opt out situation where he's, you know, going to go try to get paid somewhere. And we're going to talk about Cody Bellinger in a bit. He looks pretty good right now. You don't have a real deal in place next year to keep Marcus Stroman around because of the opt out option situation. You don't have a real deal in place to keep Drew Smiley around because of the opt in opt out situation. And frankly, like, Smiley, at least they might be able to work something out with after they trade him to somebody else. They have been before, but it's like, I don't know. It feels like they have a handful of guys that they're just content to see, to see what they can get in return to hover around 500 and to pretend that they're competing at moments. And I just am, I'm super frustrated by the whole thing. Yeah. And Wrigley's packed. So what do they care? On the weekends, Wrigley's packed. It's not packed on the weekdays and it used to be packed every single game. And I, I, I'm just, I'm very frustrated by the whole thing. But before we talk about my frustrations, let's talk about Mike Talkman because Holy God, that at bat in game three to cap off a comeback against Devin Williams, who is definitely a much better bullpen arm than anybody the Cubs have was great. I was here for it. And think, talk to me, Mike Talkman. Like I, you know what, Danny, this is the nicest compliment that I can play Mike pay, pay Mike Talkman. And, I know that I'm kind of ridiculous about these things and Wilson Contreras still and always my favorite. Uh, I will no longer put BS for Mike Talkman's number on my scorecard. He can wear number 40. He earned number oh, 40. Oh, wow. That is big of you, Sarah. That is really, that's huge. And I know what that means to you being that Contreras is your favorite player. Um, even though <laughs> the, his time with the Cardinals is not going well. Um, 
But at least, hey, at least all that stuff's not happening with the Cubs in front of your own face. It's happening to a team that we at least hate. I mean, you got to think that maybe he's just like a spy down there and he's just he's maybe he's going to tell you someday, Sarah, that he's just down in. He only went to St. Louis just for you to make the Cardinals bad. And he's like, I don't care. I already had fun in Chicago. I just took the money. Screws them, you know, makes Sarah happy. But yeah, Mike Talkman, now, yeah, I mean, listen, this guy is not the guy. You know, he went 0 for 5 yesterday in yesterday's game. He's definitely fallen off. I don't even know. I can't believe they're still batting up leadoff, for example. He's got a 240 average, 681 OPS. This this is not, talk about sandbagging. You know, like, really? You, this is your best option? Ian Happ literally walks half the time he comes to the plate, and th- that's not your leadoff hitter? Like, maybe he doesn't want to do it. I don't know what's going on, but, like, Seems like you have other options. Nico Horner, he was the, the leadoff hitter before. He's fine. Like, what's happening? Mike Talkman batting first, I guess. Sure. Well, but, but Talkman's on base percentage is 355. And he has, a, a, you know, he doesn't play every single uh, every single game. I think he only leads off against righties, if I recall correctly. Um, Nico leads off against lefties. So right. it's, they're playing his splits and the on-base percentage plays, even if the average doesn't. I think that whatever's going on with Ian Happ, they decided at some point that Happ doesn't like the leadoff spot and they're just not going to put him there. Uh, and so your next best bet, it, you have a guy who has a 355 OBP. It's totally worth it it's putting fine. him there. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. The average doesn't look great, but the OBP looks fine. Yeah, it's fine. I, I mean... I don't even know why he wasn't on the team before all this, especially since Saya was on the shelf to start the year, but instead they like got like five mediocre second baseman, then put him at third or right field instead talk about sandbagging. But um, yeah, Mike Talkman's he's been fine. I'm just, I just feel like we're playing with borrowed time. Like here's a journeyman fourth outfielder. He's a little older, uh, you know, great Palatine pounder. Let's use this. But I do feel like this is not a very serious team if Mike Talkman is your leadoff. It's been good. I don't expect it to remain good. feel like they're going to get a book on Talkman and who will be exposed at some point very soon. Um, he just hasn't played that much. But he was a Yankee. He was a Dodger. He's been all over the place. You know, does he finally find it because he's with his hometown Cubs? I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical. That's all I'm saying, but he did great. And I know I'm trashing him on a day that uh, I should be talking about him hitting uh, a, a game winning double, but yeah, I mean, he's done more than any of us would have imagined. Uh, there's, I was at this game. Very exciting. When the Cubs came back and won this one and we were finally uh, had put the W away freaking uh, Crawley. He ripped his shirt off and threw his arms in the air and allowed me. Well, he didn't know I was taking it, but I took a great photo of him celebrating that win in that moment. And um, I was with, uh, you know, Eric Wheelow, our Brewers fan friend. He's a stand-up comedian. He's very, very funny. If you don't know who he is, please go check him out. W-I-E-L-O. He's an insult comic. He's from Milwaukee. He's a huge Brewers fan. He comes on the Sun Ranto show all the time. And it was so fun because he's always talking trash about the Cubs and their fans. Um, to watch him be sulk and be sad in his own stadium as go as uh, Cubs fans celebrated and high five the, the the W. But Cubs had opportunities in this game many many times and they did not get the job done until the very very end where they when they were able to score a couple at the end of the game and uh, three in fact and um, 
we stole one away. And whistled two away. I, I mean, the Brewers tried to steal the second game and the Cubs kept it. Uh, I will say that they almost stole game four. Jan Gomes hit that home run to tie it at the end. And you sort of felt like, oh, we're going to do it again. And then Victor Caratini was like, hey, remember me? I'm the catcher that you should not have just thrown in to the U Darvish deal for hashtag reasons and took it right back. I mean, like I said, I, it felt like a good series in isolation. Like you would take taking two of four in Milwaukee in, this, in these circumstances at their home park most of the time. But it's probably not enough because if you look around the NL Central, the Reds are on fire. They're eight and two over their last 10 games. They're pulling away in the division. The Cubs are six games under 500, but now they're eight games out of the division. They entered this series five and a half games out of the division. It really doesn't feel like the, like the Cubs are going to threaten the Reds if they keep up this pace. And the Reds kind of have like that little magic thing going on. They got Ellie De La Cruz mashing baseballs, Matt McClain mashing baseballs. Jake Fraley and TJ Friedel are kind of playing way over their head right now and just doing fun stuff. And then Joey Votto, if you did not go, if you did not see Joey Votto with his cap on backward and his shirt untucked, talking about how he wears his cap backward and his untucked shirt like Ellie because they're hip and young and that's what the hip and young kids do. He's got a fresco waiting for him back at the hotel where they're <laughs> going to play video games till 7 a.m. It is the greatest Joey Votto clip I've seen since, I don't know, since two or three years ago at least. And I love Joey Votto. And it kind of seems like the Reds have unlocked a little bit of magic there. And I just don't know that the Cubs have that magic to unlock. They do not. No, our season's over like that. I mean, I, the Cubs had to win three or four at the very least to even give me a stretch of hope at this point. The fact that we almost lost that steel start and then we did lose the Stroman start is pretty disheartening considering that those are the, the two that you want to pencil in as W's on your, on your, uh, on your scorecard still did not get the W in this game. And he did not pitch well in the third game. He did not pitch his best either. Gave up nine hits in that one. And then Stroh was also not at his best. You know, he gave up four walks and five innings did have six strikeouts, but he gave up the four runs um, and really just kind of fell apart in the fifth inning there. Um, and so that was this Cubs also were winning this one until the fifth. They fought back but it wasn't enough. And to, I don't know. It's just like, if we had the Reds magic, we win, we sweep this. We've never let the first game get away from us. We do have the mat. We never let the second game get close in the third game. We win the game automatically. Maybe we come back and, uh, or, and steel is redeemed on that. And in the fourth game, we, we do come back and there's actually, and Christopher Morrell hadn't just hit into a double play before Gomes hit the home run. And that's a grand slam instead because there could, that's what it could have been, you know, and then we win the game at that point, but it's just like to split. It's just not good enough. It's good enough for the Brewers to hold pace because they didn't already dig themselves a hole. That's exactly right. Yeah. The Brewers find themselves like, a game and a half out of first, two games out of first after all of this, whereas the Cubs are now eight games out of first. That's exactly right. Uh, we are well overdue for a quick break for our sponsors. On the flip side, we're going to talk about the Cubs heading to the Bronx to play in Yankee Stadium, where it gets only gets rougher before the All-Star break. Uh, we're going to talk about the Cubs players who, will pro who made the All-Star team but are probably not playing in the All-Star game. We're going to talk about some pitching matchups and more, but first, a quick break. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. 
You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. We are back. Danny, I have some depressing news. Uh, The Cubs have never won a game at Yankee Stadium. And when I say never, I mean never. These are like two teams who have both existed for a very long time. The Cubs never won a game in old Yankee Stadium when it was like Babe Ruth playing against them in the 19-whatever World Series. They never won a game in new Yankee Stadium when it was exhibition games before the Yankees opened the park. They have never won a game in the Bronx against the Yankees. They are in must-win mode if they would like to not be 11 games-ish out at the All-Star break. And they are heading into a ballpark. To face a team that, do you know what the Cubs' all-time record against the Yankees is when you include games at Wrigley Field? Would you like to guess? Oh, it's not good. Yeah, I've seen some of those games it at is, Wrigley that we lost. It is 23-4. and four. The Cubs are 23-4 and all-time against the Yankees and in a must-win situation. You mean 4-23, you mean right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. The opposite yeah. of what I just said. They've the Yankees have won 23 games. games. Yeah. The Yankees have won 23 games. The Cubs have won four in the 27 matchups between the two teams all time. It's oh not looking God. good, folks. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You know, I discovered that stat last year at some point, maybe when we played the Yankees, maybe it was the year before. And it was so unbelievable to me that I like triple checked this. Like I'm on baseball reference, like looking at the, like the 1934 world series. I'm like, wait, 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 even in that series, like, not ever a win. Like, I'm just going back. I'm like, there had to have been one. Never. I'm drinking post game. And I, I'll add this. I, I believe the, was it 2007 or 8 that the Yankees got their new stadium? Uh, I think it was 2000. I thought it was 2009 or two, maybe 2008. It's along those lines. Yeah. Right, right around, yeah, right around there. And they opened the stadium. And the Cubs played two exhibition games in Yankee Stadium that did not count in the standings. It was to open the, it was to open it, the new Yankee Stadium. And my sister for my birthday got me two, got us two tickets for at one of those games. The first one, I even got, still got my shirt Cubs Yankees first game at Yankee Stadium that they gave out at the door. And they didn't win either one of those exhibition games either. And those you can't even find in the standings because they didn't count and um, maybe they were part of spring training, I guess. But yeah, never won. And but this team, Sarah, this is the year. I'm turning positive. It's heel turn here. Cubs sweep. That no doubt in my mind. There we win all three of these games with Tyone Smiley and Hendricks on the mound. No, and because this is the kind of team the Cubs are. 
the moment you count them completely out and be like, the season's is o- season is over. We have to sell. There's no way we're going to, we're going to win three straight and we're going to jump back into this thing. And it's not going to look quite as bleak going into the all-star break. Well, I'm glad you're optimistic because I am me... certainly not optimistic. I, I, we're gonna we're gonna come right. back in three days and see if you're you were right about this, Danny. Because I actually, I mean, I, I I'm about to tweet that the Cubs are heading into a must win series in the Bronx where they have never won a game, and the like fire guy, like the this is fine fire everywhere. That's that's how I feel. The Cubs season is going down heading into the All Star break. Here's another stat that I just want to share from our friend uh, Brendan Miller, who does some great work. Um, on Cubs stats. You should absolutely give him a follow. I believe it's at Brendan underscore Cubs. Since the Cubs traded one Anthony Rizzo, they have zero F war, zero across 1,584 plate appearances at first base. They have gotten no wins above replacement over the equivalent of three seasons at first place since they traded Anthony Rizzo. I'm sure Anthony Rizzo is going to absolutely massacre the Cubs in this series. Well, I can I tell you why else Anthony Rizzo is going to massacre us in this series? He hasn't homered since May 24th. He's in the biggest power outage of his career right now. And you know that tonight against Jameis. By the way, I was being I was totally kidding when I thought we'd sweep. And it just people that don't know me maybe listening the first time I was being really sarcastic. But here's here here's what else why. Um off of Tyone, who's pitching tonight for the Cubs, which is Why? never. Why would you open a must-win series in the Bronx with Jamison Tyone? Are you mad? They don't care. They don't care. So this is this is Judd trying to lose, and I honest to God, Judd should be fired. This is nuts. Yeah, and he won't be until all the Blue Friday boys that we got in those trades come up in either bust or boom. But um, Rizzo, not only has he not hobered since May 24th, but he is 10 for 22 off Tyone with two home runs. And a double. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> there is, it, the numbers are not looking good for us. I mean, yeah, you wonder, like, how long Tyone can keep going out there. Like, um, maybe it's just till the end of the All-Star, till the All-Star break. And it's like a first half kind of thing. And then in, they're just going to have some meeting this next week and be like, all right, we're going to piece this together with Assad and Tyone. We're going to move you to the pen and maybe you can get right. We're going to you know, to give you some piggyback starts, but you know, I don't, I don't know what you do, but you got to do something because you can't just lose every fifth day automatically. Oh, it's, I mean, it's so, 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 so bleak. Uh, so Jameson Tyon will throw tonight for hashtag reasons. I swear to God, if Assad is not like in up in the bullpen, the sec at the first sight of trouble, I'm going to lose my mind. Um, he'll, he'll, uh, go up against Carlos Rodon making his season debut. I heard from people who were at Rodon's uh, rehab starts that he looks absolutely filthy. So I'm sure the Cubs will strike out 16, 17, 18 times against Carlos Rodon and absolutely do nothing in this game. This next matchup, we get the regressing Drew Smiley against Garrett Cole. So that also sounds like a auto loss to me. And then we get Kyle Hendricks against Domingo Herman who has not been great this season. I think he's been suspended once, uh, but also had another sticky substance situation. But he threw a perfect game, too. So, like, who knows what's going on with Domingo Herman? I, If the Cubs get swept in this series or if they only win one game, I really just feel like they are sellers at the deadline. And I, I'm i so it's, to me, it's unbelievably already, disappointed. It's Me, too. But it's already over. 
So, like, just, you know, at this point, I, I just want to look at this, the rest of this season as to what next season is going to look like. And every single move that they make, including who they, they play in the games, should be with an eye towards next year, which means, um, I mean, come on, let's get real. Jared Young, like, what's he, I mean, it's not going to really work out. Like, you know, there we had like two games where we're all excited about Jared Young. It's, it's already over. Um, but you got to get Meanwhile, Matt Mervis, Matt yeah. Mervis is mashing in AAA again. And I just want to, I just cannot stress enough that if you're the type of person who likes to dig beneath stats and look under the hood a little bit, like hard hit rate, strikeout rate, barrel rate, those types of things that tell you quality of contact. Matt Mervis was not bad when he was up with the Cubs. He was tremendously unlucky. Like, all of the hard hit contacts, all of the barrel rate stats, the strikeout rate, none of that was bad. He was just hitting into outs all the time. Well, and and just let him play because how how much valuable, how much more valuable will his time be seeing major league pitching? Like, I mean, even if he strikes out four times against Garrett Garrett Cole, he's looking at Garrett Cole. He's facing Garrett Cole. He's practicing going against Garrett Cole. That's what we need him to do. We don't need him to be off of some like Joe Schlub, who's never even going to make the major leagues that's at AAA or just some like bullpen guy goes up and down. Like it does not help because he's going to mash those dudes forever. There's nothing he needs to do to prove what he needs to do is prove himself at the major league level. And at this point, because it doesn't matter if we win or lose, it really doesn't because it's over. Like, it, this they have not played well enough to put themselves in striking distance to add to this team. And even if you did add to this team, are you going to trade away the future so you can like maybe add two wins to your freaking roster? Two wins ain't going to do it. Even in this terrible, you need you need to go on like a twenty game winning streak right now to like overtake you know overtake things. Even to get out of dig yourself out of this hole, it's too late. It's over, and I know it's possible. People will tell me it's possible, but it certainly is not possible with this team as you see it right now. So, who, what are you going to do? Trade PCA and get a, a get a, a closer, a lefty out of the pen? Yeah, like, no, fair. you nobody wants to do any of that. Nobody has any appetite for that. So it's like, you know, it's like it is very disappointing. That I'm I'm right with you. This has been a disappointing season. Uh, but I didn't think they'd be anything more than 500 and they're even worse than that. And 500, <laughs> 500 might've won you the division this year and they couldn't yeah. even freaking manage that. So like with a bunch of guys, look at this Brewers team. Oh my God. Up and down. Owen Miller. Who the hell is that? Who was that guy that hit the double? I, I already forgot his name, you know, much. Yeah, exactly. So like, you know, I mean, up and down the lineup, there's nobody's, nobody's, nobody's Christian Yelich. Nobody, Brian Anderson. Like, are you going to be scared of Brian Anderson? We're scared as Brian Anderson as a Cub fan. That is insane to me. You know, it's, it's just not. The Brewers, Cubs are better than the Brewers in all categories, except for wins. They've scored more yeah. runs, better offense. I looked up how the Cubs do against lefties. They're like eighth best OPS against the le against lefties. Brewers are in last, last place against lefties. Can't do it. More wins than the Cubs, though. You know they're facing the lefty at least every two or three times a week, and they're managing first place somehow, we, even with those horrifying numbers in the central. The Reds, they deserve it. Applause to them. They are a fun, exciting team. Ellie De La Cruz, to be honest, I hope they go far. Because it's yeah, a, I'm going to be cheering for the Reds, man. The Reds are great. 
Absolutely. Because this is exactly the crap the Cubs should have been doing, letting their kids play. And even though they're getting more, the Reds are getting way more out of their team than they, they probably even think they, that they can. But they've got that healthy mix of veteran leadership and who's been there a long time. We don't have that. Joey Votto is a freaking institution. He's going to get a statue. He's exactly... Put Anthony Rizzo on the Chicago Cubs team. You might have a different story, actually, right now, even though he has a power outage. Right I now. agree. You would have veteran leadership, and you would have a guy who can, like, hold everything together. Right now, I was just talking. I don't remember if you said it, if Adam said it, or if Ken Schultz said it. Somebody I was just talking to about this Cubs team was like, it is a collection of pretty good players. It's not a team. They don't function as a team. They don't have that glue, that feeling, that, like, we're moving in the same direction and doing the same thing. I mean, I even look at, you know, you look at the all-star selections and I, I'm happy for Marcus Stroman and Justin Steele. They had excellent first halves. They deserve to be there. Dansby Swanson is leading all NL shortstops in F war. He deserves to be there, but like Dansby is TBD for the all-star game after this heel issue. He's th probably thinking he can just take the extended time off and his heel bruise can heal and heel bruise can heal. <laughs> um, and then he can come back strong in the second half. The dude like never misses games. So for him to be out of the lineup yesterday was a pretty big deal. And then you've got Marcus Stroman had like, you know, a couple of blister issues, whatever. He's saying he's not going to pitch in the all-star game. He might not even make the trip to Seattle to just try to rest and recoup recuperate and come back strong for the second half. I mean, I respect that. And that is great. And also like, it's just kind of like, meh, man, like I don't even know what to get excited about. It is a lack luster squad they are not exciting they are not fun like there are moments that are fun the hat moment we were talking about earlier that was really fun both of them talkman the other day that was really fun like i there are moments and it's just there are moments with every team in baseball but the a's are gonna have some moments man like it's 162 game season even the worst teams will have some moments that are fun pirates are having more fun you know from what i did that walk-off win from carlos santana the other day was that's what it was right yeah yeah, that hit that home run. They they all danced together, and and you know that it was just such a good time. That the, the uh, obviously the Reds are having a good time because they're winning. Yeah, this team has never the Cubs have never gotten on like on a positive kind of uh, roll, and it was pretty enlightening. Um, you know, from when I was um, God, I've just who now I'm forgetting who told me this. It was when I was on the Chuggo show and uh, when I did that CHGO, I did their post game uh, the other day. I was filling in for for Luke Stuckmeyer, uh, Stuckmeyer. And I asked and we were talking about the question of, you know, whether this team has the same highs and lows uh, as the fans are doing. Like, you know, when, when things are so good and then so bad because it's been so streaky. And the, and the answer really was that, no, this is a team. That really just slow and steady wins the race. We're going to prepare the same way for the game. We're not going to celebrate too much the wins. We're not going to be sad about the losses. We're just going to get on the bus and we're going to go to dinner. We're going to come back. But that is dull. That is a 500 team. Because if you can't take your wins and build on them, when they never do. They, they have some walk off, some exciting thing. They come back the next day and they lose it, you know, and they're like, oh, that's OK. We lost the game. Get back out there tomorrow. And it's just like, ah, you know, and it's it's just it's mediocre. And they're playing, you know, they still got the they're the only team in the central with a positive run differential. And they're and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because they don't have enough wins. So it doesn't matter. Let's talk about um, hot and cold bats right now. Cody Bellinger 
has a 12-game hitting streak going. He's got a WRC plus of 195 over the last two weeks and change. And honestly, like the man is playing great. He can probably net you some good prospects. So you might as well trade him during the last two weeks. He's slashing 467, 479, 600, uh, which is great. The Cubs second best hitter during that time period, unfortunately, is Nikki Five Steps, who you mentioned earlier. He has a WRC plus of 180 and is sitting on the 10-day IL. So he can't do anything to help the team in the Bronx. Uh, Christopher Morrell has WRC plus of 127. Over that time period, the K rate has crept up back up a little bit. I hope to see him correct that. Um, his, he's hitting 313, 333, 521 over the last two weeks and change. Those are the only hot hitters the Cubs have. Uh, their cold hitters include Jan Gomes with a WRC plus of 74 over that time period. Nico Horner with a WRC plus of 58, same as Seiya Suzuki. And Trey Mancini with a WRC plus of 46. And Mike Talkman with a WRC plus of 10. Yes, 10. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I mean, can I say something about Dansby Swanson being the all-star? Cause he didn't make either one of those lists, but the fact that your shortstop all-star is batting 265, you know, it says more really about, I think the underperformance of some of the other like elite shortstops, you know, that are in the national league, uh, whether it be Xander Bogarts or no Correa's on the twins. He's on yeah. the twins. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just, you don't have really a, a very, you don't have a pool of very hot offensive shortstops, but I think it's interesting about Dansby Swanson before he got hurt that the power was coming. He was hitting some home runs. They were solo shots, but the power was coming, but the average went way down, you know, and it's just like, I know he's tinkering with stuff. They're probably always trying to pitch him different because he's been good, but you know, there's another guy just like, you know, he's he's a good player. He he's out there vacuuming up almost everything that's hit to him at shortstop. Getting, you know, with decent range as well. But, you know, it's the Hall of Very Good. It's not it's not he's not a Hall of Fame shortstop. He's just not, you know, in at this point in his career or probably any point in his career. But, you know, yeah, this team, I, I don't know. It's they don't seem like they should be as as mediocre as they are, but there they are. They're pretty mediocre. Uh, speaking of some team, a team that is not as mediocre, the Yankees hot hitters, uh, Anthony Volpe, their rookie shortstop who struggled a little bit to start the season, but steals a lot of bases, man. He has been red hot over the last two weeks, hitting 356, 396, 578 with a WRC plus of 171 over that time period. Isaiah Kiner Falefa, who always gets like forgotten in this lineup. He's been playing every day. Uh, he is batting 342, 400, 474 with a WRC plus of 142. So don't sleep on IKF. Harrison Bader, our old friend, is back from the IL. He's batting 308, 349, 513 with a WRC plus of 136 over that time period. Kyle Higashioka, who catches about half the time, is has WRC plus of 125 over that time period. And Josh Donaldson, who plays about half of the time, uh, has a WRC plus of 112 over that time period. Before I get into cold hitters, anything interesting to you in these hot hitters? Uh, yeah, just that Aaron Judge is not one of them because he's hurt. So yeah, you know that's I think that that changes the dynamic of the New York Yankees when you don't have Aaron Judge on your team. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. I think that this if if the Cubs are going to beat the Yankees, doing it while they don't have Aaron Judge seems like a pretty good time to do it. Uh, in terms of some cold hitters, again, you have to have a WRC plus under 85 
to make this list. Giancarlo Stanton has a WRC plus of 79 over the last two weeks. Glaber Torres, old friend, uh, has a WRC plus of 69 over the last two weeks. So does Jose Trevino. He catches the other half of the time. Nice. Uh, DJ LeMahieu has a WRC plus of 49 over that period of time. And Billy McKinney, God, this whole like bottom end of this list is guys who used to be Cubs. Billy McKinney is slashing 120, 120, 240 with a WRC plus of negative 13 over the last two weeks and change. Hey, good thing we got rid of him, huh? It's <laughs> a lot of old Cubs there. Glaber Torres, DJ LeMahieu, Billy McKinney. Anthony Rizzo did not make the list, but he's a former Cub. Josh Donaldson, former Cub. Lots of yeah. former Cubs here. Yeah, I mean, and really former Cubs, like <laughs> yeah, old school, like never yeah. played a game in the majors for the Cubs, but happened to be guys who were at some point in time Cubs. Uh, Danny, where can people find you while they're watching the Cubs continue their losing ways in the Bronx? Well, check this out tomorrow night at South Bend in South Bend, Indiana, at the South Bend Cubs game. Uh, me and Bleacher Jeff are singing the national anthem before the game, and then after the game. We're going to be uh, rocking and rolling at uh, the uh, – God, I f always forget the name of the place, Co something Coney Island. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm blanking right now. It's like McGillicuddy's or something Irish. I'm, I'm, I'll get it before uh, – oh, McCormick's. McCormick's Coney Island we'll be playing right after the game. Bleacher Bum Band set. And so that's where you can find me this weekend. And, of course, Sunranto show on Sunday night. Um, just follow me at Sunranto. You awesome. can come to the game too. We have group tickets. Just uh, look me up and <laughs> I'll let you know about it. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, you can find me at, at BCB underscore Sarah. You can also find me on blue sky at BCB underscore Sarah and at, uh, or no threads at, I don't know. One of them has an underscore. One of them doesn't. Whatever. Like all the Twitter competitors, BCB, Sarah, BCB underscore Sarah. That's me. Go find me there. Follow me if you're on those places uh, in case you're waiting for Twitter's eminent de demise. Uh, you can find the show at at Cup of Cubby Blue. We are tweeting out every episode and all of the links thereof. I hope and pray the Cubs play some winning baseball in the Bronx because, frankly, I don't think I can watch three games of terrible baseball and losses from this team. But I don't really expect them to do much better. So we'll see what happens. Whether they win or lose, we will be back to talk about it next time on Cup of Cubby Blue. Till then.